are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I did, in fact, receive a phone call from John Laurinaitis. Someone stole my $100 million ad. He's just a less famous Miz. It's the Cultaholic.com Wrestling Top 10 for November. This is where we take a look back at the month that was November 2021. Who be we? It'd be me, Tom Campbell, along with the Cultaholic Tribal Editor-in-Chief himself, Mr. Mitch Wadden. Mitch, how are you today, sir? I'm absolutely superb, mate. I can't believe November's over already. It's the end of the year. It's actually quite scary. I don't know where it's gone. I, I, I've literally, I blinked in August of 2020. And now <laughs> it's nearly 2022. It's, we, we sat there, Alex and I, the other night, and we went, we've done nothing this year. Like, we've, mm. we, all we've done is work. I feel like that's all we've done. We had like a random week away in a in a in, in a log cabin, but apart from that, we've done nothing. Are you the yeah, same? Yeah, I uh, I went away this month, so I, I went away on holiday for the first time in years uh, earlier this month, and that was like the first thing I feel like I've done in about eighteen months since this whole the world set on fire. Mm. So it's just been such a bizarre time, and now I have to think about Christmas and Christmas presents and. It's oh, there's Christmas. I came back from holiday and there was suddenly just like tinsel everywhere. <laughs> and then Christmas, the fun of that begins. Now, um, Mitch Wadden is based away from our headquarters uh, right now at Cultaholic. But I've heard a dirty rumor you're coming up for the Christmas party. I don't, I don't respond to dirty speculation oh! and scandal, Tom. I cannot confirm or deny such dirty rumor and speculation Holy at this very time. Moses, I hear you're like eight foot two. <laughs> That's what the dirt <laughs> sheets not... tell me. Which one is that? Is that from a uh, Sean Fightful Sap of? You know, oh, sure. oh Sean that... Fightful of RossSap.com. It's that's it's, the one, yeah. it's him or Dave Observer from Wrestling Meltzer. Um, Wrestling. Both of those say you're well over eight foot. Uh, so I'm excited by the prospect of finding out maybe at the Christmas party. All, uh, all, all I will uh, tease is I am looking forward to standing back to back with Adam Pachiti. <laughs> I know what it's going to be, right? And we're going to talk Survivor Series in a minute as part of the top 10. But you know, during the Rock 25 Battle Royal, 
where sponsored by Pizza Hut, where like all the rest was sort of parted, <laughs> and then you had the sh- showdown between Omos and Shanky. Like, yeah, I feel like that's going to be the dance floor at the Christmas party. <laughs> on, who's Omos and who's Shanky? I'll let, you fight, I'll let you fight yeah. for it. <laughs> I think that's what it's going to look like. Um, we're going to get to Survivor Series in a little bit, but we are here to reflect on some of the big wrestling stories that you have been clicking on at cultaholic.com. And at the end, we will test Mitch Wadden, see how well he knows what he writes uh, with a quiz from cultaholic.com as well. You are actually, I was listening back to some of the older episodes the other day. You are very good at the quizzes, to be fair. I should bloody hope so, because I'm the one that makes them. I should bloody hope so, too. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm hoping that I'm, 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 we're going to test you on quite an older one today, but hey, we'll do that in a bit. Let's Ooh. take a look at Ooh. the top 10 wrestling stories from cultaholic.com for the month of November 2021. Apologies for any technical issues. This is obviously um, a, bit of a bit of a surprise to be doing this video tonight. Um, but yeah, if you're just joining me, WWE have made um, some significant releases, um, again, mere hours, if that, after, I hate doing these videos, they make me miserable, um, uh, mere, mere hours uh, after uh, announcing record profits, um, they have announced the releases of many, many superstars now. Hello, um, unfortunately it's another one of these videos again. Um, it's 2.42 in the morning right now and in the last 20 minutes WWE have yet again announced more releases. It's a rough one to get us started. It is of course not one but two rounds of mass releases from WWE. What's been happening Mitch? Yeah, as you say Tom, another sad story to start in a month uh, WWE releasing a host of even more talent throughout November as part of their reported ongoing budget related cuts so the first slot on the evening of Thursday the 4th of November uh, one of their biggest releases of the year uh, Karrion Cross, Keith Lee, Mia Yim Nia Jax, Eva Marie, Harry Smith Grand Metalik, Lince Dorado Frankie Monet, Scarlett Bordeaux Ember Moon, One Lorcan B-Fab from Hit Row, Jesse Kamea Zayda Ramirez Trey Baxter, Katrina Cortez, and Jeep Rama all cut from WWE on the 4th of November. Now, this is gutting. These releases came just hours after WWE admitted that they'd recorded better than expected revenue in the third quarter of 2021. And then two weeks later, very late in the evening, I think it was sort of overnight here in the UK. It was about 2.30 a.m. that it was broken by Fightful, this one. Yeah, just even more names uh, followed in uh, the entirety of Hit Row, John Morrison, Tegan Knox, Drake Maverick, Shane Fawn, and Jackson Riker also released. Uh, some reports suggest some of these names were released due to their vaccination status in that they weren't vaccinated against COVID-19. Uh, Nia Jax, in a statement, refuted suggestions she was one of these individuals, but did note that she had been cut from the company after asking for an extension to her mental wellness wellness break from the company. Uh, Tom, this is 81 names now cut from WWE this calendar year. So many uh, incredible talents let go throughout this year. And many of them, like even this short amount of time, are already sort of established what their futures are going to be. I think for me, that first round of releases, to go back to that, I mm. think uh, Karrion Cross and Scarlett were 
um, weren't a surprise, but it was still rough. Like carrying crosses, call up as will go down as one of the more disastrous, I would say. Yeah. And that's yeah, there's no and that covers quite it. a lot it's of ground. Yeah, yeah, it was it was awful. It was bad. Uh, um, Keith Lee broke my heart um, because there you've got a guy, and I know we we you know we we did a funny song and we talk about him a lot, um, but there's a genuine talent there, and I think this is something. And do you know what we we could easily just sort of copy paste some of the stuff that we have said in these these shows Mm. for the past four or five months in fact all of this year because i feel like we end up always starting with like saying the same things like what great talent what great potential this company's been making more money than they've ever made uh you know and it's it feels like the same old conversations i think what hits a little different this time is is it's more the fact that like you say like it's record company money being made and, and as well as that i think the, the reason this hits different is because the, the nxt is changing shape quite dramatically at the same time and therefore and you see now that what wwe was all about maybe even just a year before that's not the case anymore they are more inclined to be hiring talent that don't have that wrestling experience and they are more inclined to build talent from the ground up rather than people that have been established elsewhere. They are not in the game for being super independents and they are more in the game of building sports entertainers that they can hundred percent uh, call their own wholesale. Um, once you're seeing again, that, you're seeing that with, with recent announcements, you know, with the announcement of the NIL program this week, mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, so for anyone not familiar, that's WWE's way of getting into uh, high schools and giving these young athletes a clear pathway into, into WWE in the, in the same way that basketball, uh, you know, the NBA and, and uh, baseball and American football does as well. Um, going back to these, these record profits, I mean, for anyone not familiar, WWE is a publicly traded company, so they have to declare everything financial because they have shareholders and stakeholders. WWE in the third quarter had to publicly admit that they've upped their expected take, this ups, you know, what they're meant to take for 2021 by $30 million. So they are expecting to take $30 million more than they thought they would in 2021. And they announced that on the day that they cut nearly 20 names from the company. Uh, I mean, it's the argument that I see the other side of this is like, obviously, WWE doesn't owe anybody a living. I get no. that. But it's it's more it, that this was this was doomed to fail years ago when they just went through a spate of just hiring everybody just to stop them going to places like AEW, just to keep them on the books. And now all that has come to, to, to bite them. And. The other thing to think on as well, and I think we forget this when we sit and talk about these mass releases, which Mitch, you and I have done far too often in 2021. Mm. Um, the, the one thing is that these wrestlers aren't being left high and dry. I think if anything, and this is what kind of where it hits a bit different this time, there is something in a guy maybe like a Keith Lee, and I'm not putting words in Keith Lee's mouth. I'm sure he'll put his own words in his own mouth when the time is right. Um, Keith, DMs are open. Let's do Desert Island Grab sometime. Um, but with Keith, like he was somebody who was playing the game the best that he could. And it was, it was, and you could feel all that creative energy 
being pulled from him and it being him like the essence of Keith Lee being boiled down to like generic big man. And now he's gone in three months time, he'll be able to really capture his full potential again. But he now has three months where he can't work anywhere, but he's getting paid. Mm. And it's three months over Christmas where he's getting paid. And I think that's weirdly, and, I, and I'm sure there'll be others that might, I, I don't want this to come across as disrespectful because it's never good to lose a job, never good to lose a job at all. But so many of these guys are so talented. We know they're going to be back. But in the meantime, have three months off over Thanksgiving and Christmas and uh, get paid to do so as well. And then the new year go again. That feels, if I was going to get released from the company at any point, I'd want it around this time. <laughs> This, yeah, if on a personal level, I I would agree there. The, the the really sort of gutting elements of the releases of and there's so many names, and we're going to keep going back to your Keith Lee's and Carrying Cross because every report was that they were going to be the guys that would be successful on the main roster. And you go back to uh, I think it was the 24 documentary covering Keith Lee, covering his debut, and you see how excited Vince McMahon is to have Keith Lee on the main roster, how invested he is in him already. And, you know, we're going to change this about your presentation and we're going to look at this, but, you know, I'm so excited to have you here. That was July, uh, July of last year, August of last year, excuse me. So August of 2020, a lot's changed since then. And that's just ghouling. Just get to AEW once again knocking it out of the park with a pay-per-view event we are of course talking full gear which happened last month we saw Brian Danielson uh, and Miro have themselves a cracker we saw CM Punk and Eddie Kingston have themselves quite an intense brawl between the Mm. two of them and amongst that we saw one of AEW's greatest storylines ever reach its peak with Hangman Adam Page defeating Kenny Omega to become the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. It was quite the night, wasn't it, Mitch? A very enjoyable night of wrestling again from uh, Tony Khan's promotion, the final of the uh, four annual pay-per-views, and they, they didn't disappoint. Uh, Tom, I didn't watch this live because, uh, full disclosure, I was on holiday, so I caught up Rude. with it. I know, how dare I? Uh so uh, I have caught up with it since, but as, uh, as someone that would have sat and, and watched the event live, what, what did you feel and what did you think? Um, again, just a stunning wrestling show. And you, we get a lot of grief in this gig about being like AEW shills on the payroll. But come on, they're putting on good wrestling shows. Why is it that we have to be apologetic? 
for enjoying great wrestling. Um, mm. And I feel like a lot of the time that I, I am, and with Full Gear, it was the same. I thought there were stunning matches from top to bottom. Darby Allen and MJF opened the night with an absolute classic. Nigh on a show stealer. They just meshed so beautifully together. A great match with FTR and the Luchas for the tag titles in there as well. Uh, we saw uh, Britt Baker and Ty Conti have a great match. Probably Ty Conti's best match that she's had uh, in the company so far. Eddie Kingston and CM Punk's one is one uh, that I'm very intrigued by because, uh, Mitch, this is one that was quite rooted in, in reality, wasn't it? Yeah, so it goes back to uh, the, the time at Ring of Honor, I believe, and uh, Eddie Kingston and CM Punk's time working together all those years ago and, and perceived issues with, with Eddie Kingston, uh, with some of uh, Ring of Honor's more established names, such as uh, Punk, Danielson and, and Samoa Joe. And they told a phenomenal story, not just on the night of Full Gear, but over the two weeks in the build-up to the event. And if you weren't, if you didn't know who Eddie Kingston was before this story, you definitely do now. And you certainly believe that CM Punk is back to his very best as well. It was it was so intense and so brilliantly done. What did you make of the story that we have seen told between Kenny Omega and Adam Page? So this is interesting for me because, and I've discussed this before on this podcast, I'm not one of those that follows every little minutiae of the All Elite Wrestling storytelling. I don't watch Being the Elite every week. I, I dip it, you know, we, we have a lot of wrestling to cover, Tom. So I pick mm. up what I can. Um, that being said, how could you not be invested in this? And how could you not want Hangman to win the title? I, it, it was actually the source of big debate in our office because it was all, we've almost been conditioned. And I don't want to be talking about the other company while we're praising AEW, but we've almost been conditioned to think when something is obviously the right choice to expect the opposite. So it was actually quite a, a relief, but a really pleasant one to see Hangman getting his due, the, the what he has earned over the past, oh my gosh, months, because this storyline has been so expertly told. And there was a little concern, I think, from some people that it, it had been, um, it had sort of gone a little too long. They sort of teased it a little bit back in August, September, and then we had Punk and Brian come into AEW, and there was a little concern that it was going to peter out and be forgotten about. But no, full credit, they have done it, the, uh, the justice it deserves. It really, really did. And I think that the um, Hangman Page is is on course to being a, a great representation of AEW. He was the guy that they wanted to have as the 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 the, the front man for AEW way back when. And they realized that he wasn't quite there yet. So mm. And, and to go from there to where we are now, and that is all down to uh, an incredible amount of AEW booking and creative that have got us to this point where Adam Page is, is without question, the guy. Um, as and, and as we found out the night after Full Gear, uh, he has a date with Destiny, with Brian Danielson, which we will talk about uh, in weeks to come, as that is going down at Winter is Coming uh, in mid-December for AEW Dynamite. The Brian Danielson heel turn, it's not one of our top 10, but I wanted to bring it up here. It seems pertinent to do so. I got a bit of stick for this from people because I felt that it was a bit sudden. Okay. When, uh, you're not... If, I'm not, it's, I, Brian Daniels as a heel is excellent. I just, mm. I just thought it was weird how out of nowhere he was just, yeah, this crowd sucks. Way you're but not worthy. Never, 
But but Daniel, I think it's smart in a way because Danielson is never going to be cheered when this AEW crowd have got an AEW original in page to cheer. Mm. So I think rather than trying to split the crowd and do risk sort of confusion, I suppose, particularly if you're trying to attract a new audience, there is something to be said for having a, a definitive line between the two individuals and saying, no, this is the guy we want you to cheer and this is the guy we don't want you to cheer. And sort of taking it a little bit further with other characters, we've spoken before, Tom, about um, what AEW is doing with CM Punk and you know, we'll come on to CM Punk in a little bit in another one of our categories, but we've had some concerns that for the last few months, everything he's done has been oh, it's so great to be here. It's so good to be back and wrestling. I'm just looking forward to fighting everyone. So it's kind of flipping that to Danielson. It's quite nice to see them getting ahead of the curve a little bit and turning him heel before the crowd starts to resent him anyway. Good shout. I'm always happy to be wrong. I'd always rather be happy than right. <laughs> and that doesn't mean I'm right. That's just my opinion. So Mitch is probably right. <laughs> <laughs> This Corey has been talked about. The disrespect Whoa. these women believe they show one another. They are going to want to beat the hell out of each other. Yes. Roman Reigns can't believe it. Big E, after three Superman punches, is back on his feet. Big E going to give Chad a spin. Driving Reigns to the floor. And Big E is fired up and ready to go. Survivor Series was WWE's pay-per-view last month. The brand warfare continues, Mitch. <laughs> I can't say that with a straight face. It's like, you can't. <laughs> I'm st- brand warfare. I WWE don't even care about brand war. I can't even say it. This is how poor brand flakes, let alone brand, brand warfare. Flakes. Band warfare. <laughs> have we found a random word that Mitch Wadden can't say? We have found random words that Get Mitch in. can't say. So anyway, let's talk about Survivor Series. There oh. were seven matches across the card, including the pre-show. Would you say uh, it was brand it was all- warfare? I would say it was band warfare. <laughs> <laughs> I might be broken already. Keeping that in. Don't edit that out. <laughs> Don't edit it out. Okay. Center, refresh, seven matches, including the uh, pre-show. Raw versus SmackDown. Uh, Raw wiped the floor with SmackDown. But why do we need to care? Anyway, let's talk about the matches. Uh, Becky Lynch defeated Charlotte Flair in a, I'll say, excellent match. It was very emotional, very intense. Uh, The Raw men's and women's teams won their respective traditional tag team fights. And Roman Reigns beat Big E in the main event. Uh, There were a lot of reports coming out of Survivor Series that the order of the show was completely switched. Um, Apparently, Charlotte and Becky was meant to main event and Roman and Big E was going to open. And then that was changed quite late up. Uh, As I said, Tom, I thought the show itself was good in terms of match quality. But why there's no consequences to this. Why do we need to care? We got to Raw the next night and... I mean, we'll get on to what was the consistency mm. from Survivor Series, but it yeah. certainly wasn't Raw versus SmackDown. It certainly was not. And we'll get to that, as you say, rightly say, sir, in a moment. But yeah, so it was the, the Raw and SmackDown thing is, is, is so played out and there's no consequence there. In the run up to Survivor Series, we had the, the Survivor Series teams announced via Twitter mm. um, where, where they just went, here's the Raw team, here's the SmackDown team. And, and OK, right. 
that isn't a new thing. And I and a few people have come down on WWE for going, oh, this is just new day, new day, lazy booking for WWE. Not true. I watched Survivor Series 1995 for the Cultaholic <laughs> Classic Raw review. And they announced the teams on WWF Action Zone. Just like randomly, here are the teams. So this they've got previous for having teams with no real build. But the majority of the teams uh, were made up of people from the other brands because we'd had the draft just a few weeks before. Exactly. So all that sort of brand loyalty, it, just, it feels a bit weird to suddenly go, okay, well, I'm now loyal to this company, this this brand. You know, some people would argue, well, yeah, well, then, you know, if a player moves, you know, from West Ham to, to Tottenham, heaven forbid, and uh, suddenly it's West Ham Tottenham, like the West Ham player isn't going to be like, oh, this feels weird, I'm playing. You know, I get from a sporting perspective, but we're not in a sporting perspective. It's wrestling, it's made up, it's scripted, storylines. <laughs> so, so Lean into know. it. I should have, I'd have preferred what they did on Raw on the Monday after, where they get back into, or maybe the Monday after that, where we had, actually this Monday just gone. And it was um, Team Bex versus Team Liv. Like, could yes. you not have had that play out at Survivor Series? Because there's more Some, ex- consequence in that. Exactly. Some of the best Survivor Series have been based on those personal feuds. Team Ooh. Angle versus Team Lesnar from 2003. Team great Austin versus match. Team Bischoff from 2003. What oh. a fantastic match that was. What a great pay-per-view um, Survivor Series 03 was. You've it was incredible. In- oh, it's great. <laughs> Go watch it. Undertaker versus Vince McMahon, very live. Incredible. Oh, is that, just, yeah, that's where Vince bleeds about 20 seconds in. Yeah, he just gushes blood from the top of his head. Doesn't he get a single move in the whole match? No. And then we've gone completely off topic. There's one woman in the crowd in that match who just can't stop screaming. And it's just the most <laughs> off-putting thing ever. Taker at one point says quite loudly, we're just getting started. And this woman is apoplectic. <laughs> losing her mind. Losing her mind. Um, this year's Survivor Series just didn't have any of those consequences to them. You had no feeling of of why should we be invested in what is going on because WWE didn't give us a reason to be. I mean, let's talk a bit about, you know, you said there the teams were announced on social media. I'm not against that. I think there's a better way to do it than the way they did it, but I'm not against the the idea of it. But then they changed the teams anyway. Yeah, Sami they, Zayn they was dicked kicked, about with them anyway. Sami Zayn was kicked out of the SmackDown team, which... All right, it's kind of in keeping with his character, so I'm not against. But then the Mysterios would be the Mysterios were booted out as well from Raw, and Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville, who are WWE officials not allocated to a brand, seem to be taking sides but can't decide what side they're on. It it kind of actually hurt when you. you it's one of those things you can't think about too much because you do have an aneurysm. <laughs> you do. But there was one match on the show that had. Uh, certainly some some consequence and some energy behind it. That was um, uh, the opener, which was Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. Now, there had been, as you said, Mitch, discussions earlier in the night for that to be the main event. And that was a, a change that was made just hours before the show. It was a, a very gritty, very real feeling match. And then we had a promo from Becky Lynch after the match backstage where she's genuinely quite emotional about the whole thing because there'd been all this we talked about it on the um on the top 10 last month the the real life beef between charlotte flair and becky lynch mitch how much of this do you think was 
was storyline. How much of this do you think was um, was reality? I think it was more reality than storyline. And maybe I've been worked. And I hope I have, because nothing is better than when storyline and reality bleeds together. And it's, I almost feel bad saying this because we're talking about real people and real lives and real relationships, but it just was a perfect storm for a perfect story. This match was the definition of big fight feel, which is incredible given that there was no actual consequences within the realms and, and universe of WWE. So this, this had everything you look for. This is what you look for in a big, boxing match this is what you look for in fury versus wilder it had that personal beef to it um but watching lynch's uh interviews afterwards she did wwe.com and she did um bt sport as well the emotion on that face she's either an oscar winning actress or it's real mm. it was it was pure and you could just you almost i actually felt bad for her that's that's the level of emotion it got from me i remember watching it the next day and i felt bad for her because this must have been a horrible situation to be in there was um, a storyline strand that did come out of Survivor Series. That's Cleopatra's egg given me by your cousin, The Rock. Somebody stole my egg. Stole your egg. Yeah. Someone stole my $100 million egg. Call the cops. Get out of your chair and go call the cops. It was to do with an egg, Mitch Wadden. It was, <laughs> it was to Hang do on, with an egg. It was to do with a $10 million egg. Get it right. Was it not $100 million? Oh, was it $100 million? Oh, my word. That's, that's 10 times more. <laughs> that, is a, that is the most Fabergé of all the eggs, if it's $100 million. <laughs> The, um, that is the most golden of Cleopatra's golden eggs. Cultaholic.com tribal editor-in-chief Mitch Wadden. <laughs> um, what the fuck? <laughs> Tom, can I just say that it's it's stories like this that I got into wrestling for. This is what we love. <laughs> I only want to watch wrestling that involves an egg. <laughs> and nothing else. Have- if it doesn't have a movie crossover, I don't want to know. Incidentally, if you hear a, that noise, it's because uh, for some reason in the room where I'm filming this, which is the streaming room, um, there's a kendo stick. And I don't know why. <laughs> why have you got a kendo stick? <laughs> I have no idea why I have a kendo stick. I believe uh, long-suffering members of Cultaholic will remember there was a punishment where Jack had to take kendo stick shots. And I don't know whether it was found in a cupboard or something, but... Um, I have a kendo stick. So if you if you hear that, that's just that's that's my idle hands be, being destructive. I'm really worried that's gonna to come to the, the Christmas party. Not that I'm confirmed. Oh, you hope it does, you dirty boy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, anyway, we were talking about eggs. Anyway, back to eggs. Yeah. <laughs> these, are the best, these, show, these shows are the best. I, we, we always get back on the rails somehow. Ah, we somehow. always get back. <laughs> so, Survivor Series. Oh, yeah, there that. was one plot line that lasted at least 24 hours after Survivor Series. Uh, Cleopatra's Golden Egg. So as part of a reported seven-figure deal with Red Notice, which if you didn't know and you hadn't heard, is The Rock's latest record-breaking Netflix movie, uh, Vince McMahon showed up at Survivor Series with a golden egg. Uh, my favourite part of all this is Vince making the, like, Jobber talent 
clap outside his limo for this. This is just the best, best bit of television ever. Um, anyway, the egg was then uh, stolen at Survivor Series, leading to a major hunt for it on Raw. Uh, lo and behold, it turned out to be Austin Fury, who had uh, borrowed the egg to take a selfie with it and then got scared of security. This is an NXT slash WWE Raw wrestler, but okay, scared of some security. Um, and then he had the uh, punishment of a WWE Championship match. I, I prefer to think of this as he got punished by having to uh, fight in the third hour of Raw. Um, <laughs> Get to the dead zone, young man. <laughs> um, anyway, reports have since indicated that Red noticed and the Rocks team turned down a pitch for the egg to be used in a 24-7 title segment. Given how much they had paid to WWE, they didn't feel that this was high profile enough. Uh, Tom, as we know, WWE have previously partnered with movies before, uh, partnering with Batista's zombie flick at WrestleMania Backlash. Um, This was a thing that happened. This was a thing that happened, wasn't it just? Um, Vince McMahon at Survivor Series. And, and, and I think that the bigger issue here is, is there was a real vibe of bait and switch about Survivor Series that we didn't talk about so much when we broke down the show because I wanted to talk about it here. You know, you're partnering with Red Notice, which is Dwayne The Rock Johnson's new movie. It is the 25th anniversary of The Rock. You have a battle royal dedicated to The Rock. You have a segment that features Vince McMahon, albeit talking about an egg with Roman Reigns and mentioning The Rock to Roman Reigns. You have The Rock use a rock bottom in his title match. This is all done on the night celebrating 25 years since The Rock's debut. The Rock doesn't even do a fucking video message. Not (laughs) even a... The Rock, right? There has been more new footage of The Rock on Impact Wrestling than WWE in the last two years. Think that's about the, uh, that. Yeah, that's that's mental, isn't it? And this is and this ties in a bit to what we said earlier about there was some real concern about flipping the show to put Roman versus Biggie in the main event because you have conditioned your audience to expect an appearance from The Rock. And when you have Roman Reigns standing tall at the end of the pay-per-view and you have built all of this up throughout the show and at Money in the Bank John Cena returned and at SummerSlam Brock Lesnar returned, we are expecting something. They're naughty. They're naughty for doing that. I think a lot of fans left feeling a bit disheartened by the fact that you didn't get The Rock turning up at Survivor Series, despite the fact that you very much leaned into that happening. I... I... The one sort of caveat I'll give, and this isn't a defense at all of WWE, this is just playing a bit of devil's advocate. Is The Rock on a level where you can't now do a surprise return for him because you just know advertising that first appearance is going to take your numbers into a different stratosphere? So you think that they wouldn't be able to do it as a surprise? They would have to announce, well, like, The Rock will be on Raw next week. We know that ratings is the is everything, and, and the numbers are, are everything for WWE. Not that the ratings not actually so much these days, but it's all you know. We don't. We we always hear we don't get many surprises now in WWE because it's about pop. It's about getting the number. We knew about Edge coming back to Raw because they wanted to get the number. We knew about. Uh, mm. We hear about certain Royal Rumble returns because they want to get more buy rates for that. Um, and I just wonder if Rock's in that level now where they any sort of surprises. I could understand it on, here's the thing, I could get it on a pay-per-view because people mm. have already bought the pay-per-view and it's on the network and you've still got that money. So I can, un- but you couldn't do it on a Raw. You couldn't do it on a SmackDown, I don't think. 
because you need you try and draw in that casual audience to to switch over. Yeah, I I think I don't know. I still think that you could do a surprise with The Rock. I still think there would be the intrigue. I think on a pay per view, but. I mean, the difference here, a lot of people make a comparison between um, The the Rock's non-appearance and CM Punk's debut at Rampage. Um, But I think that CM Punk's AEW debut was far more, not ham-fisted, far more more heavy, a heavy Mm. leaning because they knew it was happening. And they never said he was going to be at Rampage. It kept us guessing right up until about two minutes after the, the show had started, and they kept us guessing. But um, the difference here, like, they, like again, you can, you, they did everything at the pay-per-view, but have The Rock there. Um, they never said, oh, The Rock might turn up. They never did anything on telly that hinted that he might turn up. The, the red notice thing was a surprise. Um, because we didn't know ahead of time that Red Notice was sponsoring Survivor Series, I don't think. That seemed a bit... I don't believe so. That did seem a bit out of, out of nowhere. But then mm. I suppose if, if WWE are picking the tie and being the 24-7 title, then maybe they didn't want to do the deal at that point. Maybe. So uh, Because there was a lot of talk that the, the Vince McMahon involvement came in as a bit of a sweetener. Almost they had to make up for the first pitch. And it was, it like, was okay, a make well, good, yeah, because they weren't yeah, happy we with the fact it was involved in the 24-7 title, which I totally get. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's, yeah, I mean, this has been, this is a weird talking point in a way because we've used it as a gear to talk about the rock a bit more. I mean, at least you want to get back to talking about the egg. I totally get it, Mitch. (laughs) I totally get you to get back to talking about the egg, the real egg of Cleopatra. I only want to report on egg stuff now. We are now eggaholic.com. Eggaholic. Fine with that. Fine with that. There was no such thing as Cleopatra eggs, by the way. That's all lies. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I researched this and there are no, like Cleopatra didn't have three mystical eggs. She was buried no, with I, treasure and maybe one might have been a Fabergé egg, but the three mystical eggs of Cleopatra aren't real. I mean, I don't know my history of Fabergé eggs, but my instinct would say they came after the Cleopatra era. But I don't I mean, maybe I'm horrendously wrong. But uh, either way, like magical, not magical eggs, but, but eggs of great fortune. But they were, they're not real. So Vince was talking about his have, bottom. Have, have you watched Red Notice? I have. Do you know what? I like Red Notice. It was yeah. a very safe, by the numbers, heist movie with a nice couple of twists and turns. Ryan Reynolds was basically a, a Deadpool that you bought from Tesco. And that's fine. <laughs> Gal Gadot just played glamorous woman badass, and that's fine. And The Rock played The Rock. He played The Rock. And it's a fun, it's it's not a movie that do you know what? It's not a it's not a meal of a movie. It's more of no. um it's more of a a, 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 co- a sort of a lukewarm McDonald's drive-through of a movie. Like it's it's not gonna. Oh, it's, it's, it's one of them where you've got it from the drive-through and then you've driven it home and it's already a bit cold. By the yeah, time but you yeah. but you know what? You'll eat it anyway. It's a junk. It's still enjoyable. Movie. Yeah, and it's yeah. now like it's now holding like records for like most amount of hours streamed. So it's it's done it's done its job. And WWE's it's done what it needed it. to do. It's the one it needed to do. Um, Austin, I want to take on bridge with one other thing. Austin Theory's defense, who said there were security guards round. I was nervous 
with the security guards round to take a selfie with the egg with the security guards round. So I thought it a better option to fucking steal the egg <laughs> with the security guards round. That's the bit that annoyed me the most. I was so nervous to have a photo with the egg in case I got told off. So I stole it. And it's also the, the I mean, the whole notion of stealing, you know, admitting you've stolen the egg and being rewarded. Like, I, mean, I don't I mean, know what companies you've worked well, that that bit, I, it's Vince, that's a Vince, oh, but the Vince McMahon thing, I'll defend that part because that's, right. that, I think that's on, on brand with Vince, who's like, hey, I like your style, stealing my egg. And you get a title shot. And it's going to lead to Vince McMahon taking Austin Theory under his wing. I wonder whether Vince just misheard and said, do you want to work with Austin? And he went, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> I've always heard about the great MJF, and then last week, I did what nobody else in this industry, nobody else in AEW has been able to do. I shut up the great MJF without saying a word. And you had seven days. You had a whole week to think of good zingers, and you came out here with the lowest hanging fruit. He thinks he's somebody. He thinks what he does is revolutionary to the wrestling business when in reality, he's just a less famous Miz. MJF and CM Punk had a memorable war of words last month, didn't they, Mitch? Core, didn't they ever, Tom? Mm -hmm. Now, we've all been clamoring for it since uh, Punk turned up in AEW, and we finally got it. So, having teased a feud with a brief confrontation the week prior, Punk and MJF finally got 20 minutes to go at it on the November 24th episode of Dynamite, and my, oh my, did it get a bit spicy. So, a very uh, tense exchange began with MJF making note of Punk's uh, less than stellar run in UFC, uh, talking about the time he spent away from WWE. Punk followed this up by referencing a photo that had circulated online of MJF as a child meeting Punk, saying he didn't know that MJF stood for My Jealous Fan. Uh, we would then get into the really saucy stuff, Punk referring to MJF as a less famous Miz, or oh, you naughty boy. Uh, MJF would bring in the references to John Cena and Triple H, noting that this version of Punk was PG Punk and he should preach hustle, loyalty and respect, saying Punk has always been number two behind the You Can't See Me Man or the King of Kings. Uh, the back and forth would conclude with Punk telling MJF that the only way he would become AEW's biggest star is if he waits long enough for Tony Khan to have a daughter and then marry her. What a line that is. If you had to pick I, that, I just... I'm lost for words because this was just this was just 20 minutes of two of the very best going at it, and it was beautiful. This um, uh, th this is a, a promo that actually bled over into Monday Night Raw, which very mm. rarely happens, isn't it? So this is on Raw where we have the return of Edge and um, him and Miz get into an altercation, and Edge even says, "You know, you're the kind of guy that." you know, other people are talking about to get cheap heat on other shows. So it's the, the fact that it moves over like that, I think is great. CM Punk, is he doing some of the best work in his career right now, Mitch? 
on the back of this, yes. And I and we spoke about this before, Tom. I think before the Eddie Kingston feud, we were all a little wary of the direction that Punk was going in because it did just feel a little bit like a, a best hits tour at times. Um, but since the, the Kingston feud and then moving into MJF, we are starting to see CM Punk back to his very best. And when you have a, a talent like MJF who is as good on the mic as he is, it forces Punk to step up his game to levels that we know he has. Something I, I should have mentioned earlier, talking about full gear, we know how good MGF is on the mic. It's it's just there for all to see. We see it in interviews all the time. It can be easy to forget how good he is in the ring. Mm-hmm. And we saw against Darby Allen just how good he is in the ring. Um, MGF is the perfect foil for CM Punk at this time. And I hope it goes somewhere big for them. Um Punk is doing incredible work and MJF is keeping up with him, which for a 25-year-old is immense. Does MJF become the guy to beat CM Punk? Dun, dun, dun. Yes. I want- Whoa, he's in. He's done it. He's locked it in. I, I want MJF to beat CM Punk. And I don't mind if it's done in a shenanigan way because that makes sense for MJF's character. And then you give MJF the, you know, you give him that, braggart do you know what i mean i'm the guy that beats cm punk i'm the guy that stopped cm punk's return tour and you know mjf can run off that for 18 months and then you can build to even more matches between them down the line so i would have no problem with with punk losing to mjf as long as it's done in the right way it doesn't need to be clean certainly not the first time getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. That's, it's Jonah. He is here. The, one of the hottest phrases out there. He is here in Impact Wrestling. Josh Alexander, the self-proclaimed top dog. Get a look. Jonah emerged at New Japan Pro Wrestling's Battle in the Valley. He had a he had a moment with Moose before he went on to crush Juice Robinson just like that. And and now Jonah's here. Another jumping senton. 
Jonah is here sending a message to Josh Alexander. Impact Wrestling follows on from Bound for Glory with a turning point, don't they, Mitch? Nicely done, Mr. Campbell. You can see you've been in the business for a while. I've been working all week on the radio, so I'll be segues at a shit. Hot. <laughs> I'm going to take this kendo stick in, I think, later. There you what, go. To BBC Radio Newcastle. Yeah. I'm gonna have you do got it. any guests? In, Take that, Alfie guests? Joey. <laughs> <laughs> I like Alfie Joey. I wouldn't hit him. You, you come back from the local weather report to you just beating the producer. <laughs> Get out, Paul Mooney. Uh, <laughs> I like Paul Mooney too. I wouldn't hit him. I wouldn't hit him. Who we had guest wise this week? Um, interviewed, um, interviewed Travis on Wednesday's oh, show. Oh, nice. That was cool. Doug, Dougie Payne from Travis. He was good fun. Uh, we had um, Craig Revel Horwood from Strictly. Nice chat Brilliant. with Craig Revel Horwood this week. Who else have I had a chat with this week? Uh, Jonathan Kidd, he's the voice actor who was in the Ferrero Rocher adverts. That's a particular okay. highlight of, of, of my week, was having a nice chat with him. Um, with I think, and then everything else has just been dealing with the nightmare that has been Storm Arwen. Um, and mm. just constantly doing. I've never felt more like a proper radio presenter than I have this week. Dealing, like doing like round the clock travel updates and weather reports and taking calls from people. Like I felt like a proper radio presenter this week. That's interesting. So I haven't felt more like an editor in chief than dealing with angry people inside wrestling promotions emailing <laughs> me and texting me all week about Ooh, stories on our website. There's so. a bit of gossip. Mitch Wadden's been getting angry, angry messages. We've We've been upsetting people. Oh. Which is, you know, nothing wrong with that. No, did you send? Anyway, did you send? Did you send Vince McMahon that fruit basket or not? <laughs> Tony told me to rip up the check he sent me. Oh no, you got yours ripped up. Good, mate. I cash, cash yeah. mine. <laughs> I'll have it. But Took one it. person, one one promotion, one promotion we haven't upset this week is Impact. You know, I'm practicing my segues now. And speaking of impact, Turning Point 2021 hey! was in November. He's done it. <laughs> He's back on. He's brought us back. I'm back. Uh, an 11-match card. The show was particularly notable for the debut of Jonah, the former Bronson Reed, who attacked Josh Alexander and now the two men. I don't think this has been confirmed within Impact uh, Wrestling storyline yet, but they are going to be facing each other at Hard to Kill uh, based on the television tapings. Uh, in terms of the in-ring in action from a turning point, we had Moose defending the Impact World title against Eddie Edwards in a hellacious full metal mayhem match that went a really long time. These guys really went for it. Um, Trey Miguel retained the X Division title against Steve McLean and Lacedo Kid, And elsewhere on the show, Mickey James defeated Mercedes Martinez in a knockouts title match. Uh, w. Morrissey defeated Matt Cardona. And the Good Brothers retained the tag titles against Bullet Club. Uh Tom, again, copy and paste. I know we say this most months, but Impact just keep turning out good shows. They do. I am enjoying mainly what we're seeing now with the, sort of the trials of Josh Alexander. This is like a nice little slow build story that I'm not in a mad rush to see hit its peak. I thought they might rush to get Josh Alexander back in there with Moose at Hard to Kill. But I, I would like them. I, I love it when wrestling plays the long game. I don't want to see Josh mm. Alexander win that belt back until Slammiversary. I want, okay, so I want us to, to, I want us to go through the more of the trials of Josh Alexander. He's faced Monaro Suzuki and survived. He's now going to face Jonah. 
And I like the idea of just this procession of existing impact stars and newbies who just come out to be the next obstacle in the way of Josh Alexander. So by the time he gets back to Moose, he is a changed man. He is a grown man. He's a, he's a wizened, grizzled star and, uh, and he can beat Moose like in the center of the ring. I like that yeah. a lot. Do it. I think it's, I think it's a really smart idea. And, and Tom, you and I were both in agreement that we love the whole angle around Moose, cat, you know, calling his shot immediately after. Oh, Alexander God, won it was brilliant. Best, was, best was, bit of wrestling that month, I think. Best little, was best text- segment that month. It was so good. It was. It was textbook heel work. I can't understand. I, well, I can understand people not liking it, but guess what, guys? That's the point. That's the point. You're not meant to like it. And what you're doing with giving, as you call them, the, the trials of Josh Alexander, you're bringing in names that, if, if you're not a massive watcher of Impact, but you bring in names you might be familiar with, mm. like your Suzuki's and your Jonas, and putting them against your Alexander, you're instantly putting that character, that guy in that class. So, you know, you might be a WWE fan and you know who Bronson Reed is. So you're going to watch Hard to Kill when he faces Josh Alexander. And you might have watched Bound for Glory when he faced Christian Cage. And it's telling you this guy is worth your attention. This guy is worth you paying attention to. So when we eventually get to him challenging Moose again, whether that's four, five, six, seven, a year down the line, you'll know it's going to matter. This is really smart booking from Impact. And I'm really in for it. I'm really up for it. Textbook booking from Impact Wrestling. Coming Sunday, or tomorrow, as you're listening to this on the Saturday, NXT presents War Games. But it's not a takeover. What's going on, Mitch? Takeover has gone. We didn't get William Regal. We didn't get Regal on the no Regal. War Games. Livid. I don't, it's, like, it's like how Christmas isn't Christmas until you see the Coca-Cola advert. It's not War Games until William Regal has <laughs> said the line. So I hope, I hope they at least wheel him out tomorrow. To hit the line. <laughs> I just, I've got an image of him like Hannibal Lecter style, just out on the ramp and just, they take, they just peel a mask off him and hold a microphone. Yes. There's the line and then he's just wheeled off again. That would yes! be Yes. Do that. Do that. <laughs> Book it, you Book cowards. It, you cowards. <laughs> you absolute are, cowards. There are two guys at, uh, at uh, hang on, I've lost my notes. Where am I going? War games. There we are. War games. Yes. You got it. I went too far. I went too far in my notes. Uh, so yes. There's a little to- preview of later in the top 10. Mitch is going to start a sentence with, there are two guys. That's all. Yes. <laughs> a little preview. A little preview. <laughs> if you can't wait, skip ahead 10 minutes, but stick with us for here. <laughs> uh, NXT pay-per-views are back. That's what I was going to say. But it's not a takeover, Tom. As you say, it's notable that takeover tag has been dropped for the first pay-per-view of the NXT 2.0 era. WWE presenting a pay-per-view for the first time since relaunching NXT as their developmental brand. So let's talk about some of the matches we're going to see. The men's War Games match will put old school against new school. Uh, the women's War Games match will see Io Shirai, Raquel Gonzalez, Cora Jade and Kaylee Ray against Mandy Rose, Gigi Dolan, JC Jane and Dakota Kai. We're getting Cameron Grimes versus Duke Hudson in a hair versus hair match. 
Uh, Roddy Strong has uh, wavered the NXT Cruiserweight 205 weight limit to face Joe Gacy for the title. And Imperium will defend the tag team titles against Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner. Um, how do you feel about TakeOver being dropped, Tom, before we talk about the card? Um, I, I, I'm not surprised. I feel like they want a very a very much a, dis- a distinguishment between 1.0 and 2.0. We've talked about how uh, many within WWE see the, the iteration of NXT, 2 point, uh, NXT 1.0 as a failure for the better part mm. over the last couple of years because it didn't really... And you know what? As a, as a super indie, it triumphed. As a developmental territory, yeah, it kind of was because mm. you had some, you had phenomenal athletes, phenomenal talent, incredible matches, but none of it suitable for, none of it fit for purpose, which was sports entertainment stars on Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown. Like you, and you know, there, there's a reason why through the last couple of years, the the call ups have been nowhere near as strong as they were years ago, because, you know, we go back to the early days of NXT and I'm talking the real early mm-hmm. days, like Seth Rollins as NXT champion, Biggie Langston in the mix of there as well. And guys like that. And, and they transitioned to the main roster uh, in comparison with relative ease, not always easy, but in comparison to what we, what we see in the last two years. So yeah, I think it was a failure in that sense. So I think that by losing the takeover name, you're very much drawing a line and just going, this is the new era of WWE, and this is the new era of NXT, I think. It's it's an interesting sort of with hindsight to consider, isn't it? Because we all loved NXT 1.0 for what it was as that, that super indie. But when you set up with any project, you have a, a sort of mission statement, and there is no denying that perhaps in the second half of its lifespan, NXT 1.0 didn't fulfill that mission statement, which was give WWE megastars for the main roster. Um, and it became, uh, it was attracting a different audience to the one WWE wanted for Raw and SmackDown. Not that that meant it was a bad show. It was WWE's best product for a number of years. But if it's a bit like, and I'm sorry to you go back to football analogy, but it's a bit like bringing in a, a striker if you're a football team and he does everything else brilliantly. He works hard. He runs the channels. He He's able to get back and defend and, and he's getting assists, but he's not scoring you goals, which is what you bring in a striker to do. So as much as you think he's a good player, you have to then either replace him or put them somewhere else. Um, but look, the first the first NXT 2.0 pay-per-view this week, War Games, it kind of feels a little bit like it's come out of nowhere, but I am yeah. still looking forward to some of the matches because it's good wrestling. I feel like the the men's one in particular, the women's one, I feel like there is, when they announced they were doing war games, I thought, well, the only war games match I can think of would probably be um, Toxic Attraction versus um, a combination of the female babyface side, Mm. um, which they're they're doing. The men's one, uh, it just, it literally was just like, it felt like maybe one segment where this whole thing came together. And I just don't, I, I, I want it to do, I want it to do well, um, but it just feels like a very thrown together match. And I feel like if you maybe spent a little longer putting this together, you could have had some more intriguing um, bits going into this. Cause you've kind of got, you know, the old school, new school thing is, is a great storyline to lean into. Watson, you know, you've, you've put Kyle O'Reilly in a tag team with Von Wagner. And you could have, 
utilize that story in this War Games match. Mm. Um, LA Knight feels like he is out of place on the old school side because he's not that old school. Like he debuted maybe a month and a bit or whatever before, just a couple of months yeah, before like- 2.0 started. Um, yeah. You know, and I, maybe you could have had Kyle O'Reilly on that team. That would have felt a little better, but it just feels rushed. Um, and I, I don't mind the concept. I just wish WWE, and there's a lot of companies that are guilty of this. I just wish companies would give stories a little more time to play out. They don't. It's anymore. a real... No, because I agree with you. It's a really nice idea. And it's you just wish they'd realised they were doing war games a month ago or six weeks ago. And you just had a chance to... Because, we, you know, it's a little bit Survivor Series-esque in that you've just mm. kind of gone, oh, here are two teams. They're going to go fight. Here's, we've got a tagline. Off we go to the races. Um, whereas, like, when you're deliberately dropping your heel-face dynamic, which is your backbone of wrestling storytelling, there has to be a good reason for it. And this is a good reason, but you're not letting it breathe. You're mm. forcing it. And I think the kind of... S- almost sad element of this is we know what WWE now thinks of NXT and where it wants to go. So there's almost not, I would be very surprised if the new school didn't win this because you haven't big this up as being such the big deal that it should be. I've been having a lot of fun recently with bachelor parties and weddings and honeymoons. Oh my. It's all been great. It's been tons of fun. But now with Austin on Raw, Indy married, and Candace at home pregnant, I, I have lost my way. So I'm trying to figure out what's next for me. And I think what's next for me is staring me right in the face. I mean, I first stepped into a wrestling ring in a, a small kickboxing gym in Wally, British Columbia. And man, I took to a ring like a fish takes to water. I just felt natural and at home. And this is something I have put every ounce of my being towards for my entire adult life. And even if I never made it to NXT, even if I was still wrestling for $5 every other weekend, I would still be doing it with everything that I have and, and everything that I believe in because this is this is my love and my passion. Johnny Gargano, who uh, is in the news this month for a very similar reason to why Adam Cole was a few months ago. What's the story here, Mitch Warden? Well, it's not just Johnny Gargano, Tom. We're also going to be talking about Kyle O'Reilly in this segment because... Both Gargano and O'Reilly will see their respective WWE contracts expire in December. Now, at time of recording, neither have signed new deals with the company. Johnny signed a one-week extension to take him past uh, NXT War Games. Uh, so his deal will now expire on December 10th, because actually it ran out yesterday or some, or this it week. It was this past week signed. that Johnny Gargano's yeah. deal ended, yeah. Yeah, if he hadn't signed that one-week extension. So we know Johnny Wrestling's deal expires on December 10th and Kyle O'Reilly's expires sometime this month, we expect, at the end of December. Uh, In terms of O'Reilly, he was reportedly surprised as to how soon his deal expires because there was a lot of stuff about NXT deals having time automatically added onto them due to injury reasons and time away. 
Uh, Tommaso Ciampa is one of those names that has been had some time added to his deal, which kind of tells us actually his deal was probably going to be expiring around this time as well, if not. Um, WWE have reportedly offered both uh, long-term deals, neither have yet accepted. Uh, both men face each other in a SmackDown dark match back at the start of November, which it kind of reminds me a bit of uh, what they were trying to do, like you say, Tom, with Adam Cole and some of those names and in, in trying to get them to sign new deals. And I know you've talked about this on the news. So let's just maybe get into it a little bit more. If they stay in WWE, is there a place for them on the main roster? I don't think there is. No. And that really sucks. It comes back to what we said about NXT, how as a, an indie, as a super indie, it was a success. As a development territory, it's a failure because you've got these two guys who are incredible wrestlers, but just don't fit in WWE's current climate. So no. I, I kind of agree with Vince when he think, when he talks about how NXT was a failure. I kind of agree. And, and, it's, and that it's not a disrespect to Johnny Gargano and Carlo Riley. They are phenomenal. They should have maybe not even been in the WWE system at all to begin with because they just don't fit that climate. And the idea of... I, I hate the thought of Gargano being on the main roster of Raw and SmackDown because I have fast run out of trust with WWE to do what feels right. Because Gargano is such a great wrestler, such a great talker. I feel like all they would focus on is the fact that, oh, he's quite short. Let's make him yeah. short and angry. That's the story. The new Shorty G is Shorty Gargano. And as for Kyle O'Reilly, like, he, 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 like, they would have leaned into that cool Kyle thing and they'd have made him like a Riddle-esque surfer. Uh, or even yeah. a manager of some sort. I just don't see them doing anything. It's, I think the, the 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 dark match was a was almost like a, a make good, just to make them go, make them feel like they will be valued, to give them a mm. little bit of a try, to give the writers some time to look at them and see what they're about. But I don't see them doing anything on the main roster, which is why they probably should let those deals expire and head away. It's it's a real shame, and this what I'm about to say. I say with no disrespect to to either wrestler because they're both phenomenal performers and two of the best workers in the WWE system. But if WWE, with the ideas that we've heard reported that WWE pitched to Adam Cole, there is no way that creative system is going to benefit Gargano or O'Reilly because Absolutely. Cole was your NXT centerpiece for a number of years. He had it all. He could do everything. He was. He had that weird dynamic. We're still seeing in AEW. He has that weird dynamic that's beautiful because he's a heel that people love. And the ideas pitched for Cole were laughable. So if we're talking about Gargano and O'Reilly, then the ideas are going to be worse, surely. Oh my just, just by logic. gosh. Yeah. So it's true. If, if that's the best you can come up with for your top guy. Yeah. God knows. Um, and it's, it's a real shame because, so my personal opinion, you know, always loved Gargano was always a bit, I've fallen in love with his heel work because he does it phenomenally. Not been someone that quite gets the Kyle O'Reilly thing. And that's okay. I don't have to get every performer. You might like some, you might not like others. But they've both been brilliant for NXT. And I almost want them to go and do other things now because their legacies in WWE will be affected by a run on the main roster because you can just see, as you rightly say, Tom, Kyle O'Reilly being cool surfer dude that maybe is in the 24-7 title picture and, and Gargano jobbing out to Baron Corbin on live events and 
it's it's a little depressing. Where does Johnny Gargan go, Mitch Warden? Not AEW. No. Because I don't think they need him. And I and, and I don't think Gargano needs AEW either. Um Okay, let's let's get a little bit uh let's take some punts here. Let's put our balls on the wire a little bit. Because I know that you're sounds, it hurts. Sounds I don't very, recommend it. It sounds very uncomfortable. Um I want to say Gargano back on the Indies, um PWG Battle of Los Angeles 2022. Yeah, I agree. And I would like to see Gargano popping up in GCW. Yeah. Part of, Gargano as part of GCW is a is, is a great is a great one. We haven't mentioned this for the the news this week in the top 10, but big big love to Game Changer Wrestling who mm. have sold out the Hammerstein Ballroom for their show in December. Uh, this will be the biggest GCW event in the company's history. It is also the biggest wrestling event in the history of the Hammerstein Ballroom. And that counts Ring of Honor, that counts ECW, that counts WWE. And that's an incredible, incredible showcase from GCW. Immense. Look forward to talking about that with you uh, in, a, in a future one of these bad boys. But yeah, Gargano, very much in GCW, seems like a nice idea. Um, you said you, you were very adamant to no AEW for Gargano. How about Kyle O'Reilly? Because there seems to be I like some see- oven-ready stuff there, should O'Reilly yeah, head I, that way. Yeah, and I think yeah, this makes sense because O'Reilly and Fish they've been a tag team before they can easily do it again they were one of the best wwe tag teams during their time together there's no reason to not do that again that makes sense to mm-hmm. me and then you've got um just think of the storytelling there that you can tell between because we i think we all kind of think that the adam cole elite kenny omega stuff is going to lead somewhere eventually but if you add fish and o'reilly to that it just gives you another dynamic and perhaps another string to that story and you can maybe take it in a different direction. So I think O'Reilly would be a good fit for AEW in that role. He doesn't necessarily need to go in as a singles competitor. Um, So I would be comfortable with O'Reilly there. My name is Mark Madden, ex of World Championship Wrestling. I tolerate him when I'm not beating up on him. But the bottom line is, he's a hell of a man. And guess who's got his own podcast every Wednesday Heavyweight champion of the world, Nature Boy Rick Flair. It is. It's the Nature Boy, along with his great friend Mark Madden, the sports expert. We're going to give you the best of wrestling and every sport possible. Mark Madden and Nature Boy, side by side. One man with red wine, one man with a cool life. Delivered it as only we can. Woo! You don't want to miss it. The Rick Flair show will be what's causing all this. Tell him, Nate. Woo! Woo, woo, woo! Ric Flair has had a busy November. <laughs> Been a chatty boy. Um, Mitch, what's the what's the what's the story on the Woo Nation? <laughs> the biggest issue I've had with this, Tom, is I can never remember how many O's go in the word woo. Same. So- I was looking for it earlier and I couldn't remember the amount of woos. That's, that's a weird bit of branding from Ric Flair that should probably be looked at. It is. At. So if anyone ever needs to know, it's W and then six O's. Six so- O's. Too many O's. It is too many. Four to five at most. Mm. Four to put. Um, 
Are you like a short woo? Do you? I like a short woo. I'm 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 all about just just get to it, just crack on, just get to it. So I'm like woo. There you go. Just a couple of those. There you go. That's a very that's a very Jay Leaf woo, woo nation. Woo nation. The name itself, I think, needs work. But hey, it's not my podcast. It's not in my it's not in my phalanx of podcast that I have to worry about. So I'm not going no, to that's, <laughs> I'll let my madden worry say, about that. I can't say I've added Rick Flair's Woo Nation podcast to my uh, weekly listening just but yet. we do get a little bit of an ear hole of it, don't we? There's still a few things going down in the Woo Nation, Mitch. Oh, there's loads. So Flair relaunched his Woo Nation podcast in November, as you say, to our Mark Madden uh, co-hosting alongside him. And Rick's been shooting from the hip here. So <laughs> in the dangerous, we know how bad his hip is. <laughs> Ages so, in the <laughs> I'm going to uh, send this clip to uh, the human resource department of uh, Coldaholic. Mate, I am the human resource department. I, was, I think that is you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, human re- I'm HR this week. Oh, wow. Um, so in the first episode of Woo Nation, Flair claimed that he told Vince McMahon he would never go to AEW unless WWE did something stupid to him. He then said WWE have now done stupid things to him, like taking him out of the sign- signature intro signature intro signature intro at the start of the show i got there in the end add that to my band raw fair flair would then go on to say he could never work for wwe actually i'm gonna pull back the curtain here what i've written is flair would go on to say he could never four for wwe again i mean work for wwe again <laughs> so what if he won't uh, four for wwe again um the uh, I'll let you finish what you're going to say, actually, because I was interrupting you there. I was going to jump you in, were. But... That was very rude of you, Mr. I Campbell. know, I know. Better from a BBC radio presenter. Put the kendo stick... Oh, good. He's self-beating. Oh, no. Oh, hang on. I need to clarify. That, that makes a brilliant stick. noise. Does that hurt? A little bit. I'm going to stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, Flair said he wouldn't work for WWE again because of the <laughs> calm. <laughs> I, in about 20 minutes, we need to see the red welts on your arm. <laughs> play play um, a song to make myself feel better. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Oh, there it is. Beautiful. The, uh, the Cody Rhodes xylophone. Incredible. Uh, Rick, on the Patreon. Blames, Rick blames Nick Khan for the disrespect shown to him since leaving WWE. This is serious stuff, Tom. Be serious. This is serious from Ric Flair. Uh, the two-time WWE Hall of Famer places no blame at Vince's feet, but then also claims WWE asked him to assign over intellectual property while he was on life support. Now, from my own research, I think this was around 2017. Uh, and Flair would also claim he has an offer to come out of retirement to face Sammy Guevara in a match in Israel. Um, Flair's been a very vocal boy here. He has. I, what I find interesting is... Um... How it seemed like in, I think it was the second episode of Woo Nation, Woo Nation, when, um, Woo, Woo, I prefer short Woo. I'm all about short Woo. I would prefer a short short Woo. I feel like in the second episode it was where he seemed more upset with WWE taking his Woo out of the signature than WWE signing away his likeness while on life support. Like, it was such an afterthought when he said it. And when, anyway, back to this signature, they've taken my... That's a... No, that's a that's, if that is... If what you're saying is true, that's bad. 
That's bad. And there's and, and if it's not what they did, this that's potentially libelous. To, it's, to suggest yeah, it's a really, really tricky issue because and I'm going to put my corporate head on a little bit here because like I don't I'm going to try and play both sides a little bit. And it's probably mm-hmm. going to get me some Ric Flair fans are going to attack me on social media. So bring it on, guys. It's Christmas. I'm ready for it. Um, <laughs> Rick, if I can, I'm not defending WWE, but I can understand the desire to get that signed off while Rick is with us, because from what I understand about sort of uh trademarks and, and those sort of laws here in the UK, not so much in the US, it would be an immense there would be a, a lot of paperwork and a lot of legal trouble for WWE getting those trademarks from a deceased Ric Flair. Now I can understand why WWE want those trademarks because they are worth a lot of money to the owner. Um and there's an argument to be made that when Ric Flair passes, they should go to the promotion that gave Ric Flair the platform to use them. I can understand all of those arguments. There's the big issue that you said, Tom. If this is not true, Ric Flair has just opened himself up for a massive lawsuit. Now, would WWE do that to Ric Flair? I'd like to think Vince wouldn't. Nick Khan would. Nick Khan 100% would. Um, But I also quite like, like you said, Rick seemed more upset about being left out of the, the intro. I think he got really upset because he was replaced by Ultimate Warrior. And we all know Warriors' problems with WWE. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's just swapping out one problematic person with another. Yeah. Uh, with that one, uh, Flair had some comments to make about Seth Rollins as well. And uh, I mean, this this might be the episode that fell on December the first. So I know it goes against our remit to cover all the things that happened in November, but it is pertaining to an event that took place in November, the last day of November to be exact. And it didn't make the top ten, but only because I thought. You could either add it or we could mention it here. And I wanted to yeah, mention it. Absolutely. So this was the Seth Rollins fan attack incident from Raw on September the 29th. Uh, so no, November, no, no. November the 29th. Gosh, I've gone back. Wake me up when that ends. Um, November, <laughs> November the 29th, where a fan rushed to the ring, uh, rushed the ramp and attacked Seth Rollins. This was an incident that was brought on by the fan, apparently, allegedly, uh, having money taken from him by somebody pretending to be Seth Rollins. He was scammed by uh, a Seth Rollins alike on social media. And uh, and so he he ran down to the ramp. He went for Seth Rollins. Seth held him in a headlock once he realised what was going on. The referees all and officials all came and, and dragged the guy away. Seth screamed quite a few expletives at the uh, the gentleman before heading heading back. We had a nearly had a run in from Michael Hayes. And Becky Lynch. And Becky Lynch. They nearly got involved as well. Uh, Seth Rollins would speak to TMZ the next day and say that he was terrified by the attack. Uh, Ric Flair would would sort of would would pull pick up on this on the Woo Nation podcast and and say you should be getting off a flight and saying that you were terrified by a fan attack. I'll tell you what's terrifying: being in a plane crash. Like the two are comparable. <laughs> It's the most, it's the most like, it's like the most like story Trump ever, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Oh, you've broken your leg. I survived a plane crash. But, that's right, it. but, then, but then where does that end, Rick Flair? Like the other, the other night, I mentioned this in the news, the other night I woke up and Pablo was breathing weirdly, you know, and that's, that's, yeah. that's my cat who I would literally kill for. 
Like, if you hurt my cat, I would fucking batter you. Um, but, like, and I was briefly terrified. He's fine. Update, he's fine. He just sometimes is a bit wheezy. He's fine. He's probably about nine, maybe eight or nine years old. Uh, we don't know. Um, because we, we, he was uh, a rescue cat. He was found wandering around Teesside University, and they couldn't find the owners. So we, we, a friend of ours took him in, and then we took them from him. And he's ours now. You can't have him. Um, I will kill you if you come for it. He sounds like he's having a great side at uni. You've stopped. He's got a PhD. Yeah. <laughs> In um, Meowthomatics. As <laughs> quick as I'm, as quick as I'm going on this uh, on this time in the morning. Um, but Flair, but Flair's yeah, I was terrified. But then Rick Flair's like, oh, that's not terrifying. Being in a plane crash is terrifying. Like. They're not the same thing. Like, you can't compare the two. And then Ric Flair went off and said, hey, if it was me and I'd been jumped by a fan, I'd get, once the refs at him, I'd get in there and I'd hit him again and to hell with lawsuits. They knew what they were doing. Yeah, Rick, it's really easy to know what you would do spontaneously when you've had two days to think about it. It's dead easy spontaneity when you've had a couple of days to ponder it. So, and the thing is, and and I'm kind of loath for us to bring him up in the top 10, because we we know, Mitch, we know why he's doing this. We know this is getting him more column inches than he when he was sat on the sidelines. It ain't getting him, in, getting him as much money, but it's mm. certainly getting him more column inches when he goes off on tangents like this. And it's also, if you uh, think about how categorizing works on uh, websites like Cultaholic, it's also sending stories about Ric Flair's alleged misdemeanors on the plane ride from hell further down the page and away from mm. public eye. There's that as well, obviously, the small matter of the plane ride from hell uh, incident that was brought back up this year. But um, yeah, um, it will no doubt there'll be more things pushed <laughs> from the mouth. Oh, I, I will make a promise now to our listeners. I will make a promise now. There will not be every month in this top 10 a section dedicated to Ric Flair's ramblings. Okay. Maybe some <laughs> months, but not every month. If, 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 if it turns up more than three times in more than three months, I'll make a jingle. There you go. Nice. I like that. But that's not encouragement. Na 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 Randall, Randall Keith. Randall Keith. Randall, Randall Keith. Na, 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 na. Randall, Randall, Keith, Randall, Randall, Randall Keith, Randall Keith, Randall Keith, Randall, Randall, Randall Keith. It's good to do this on delay. We got delays. That's amazing. It's <laughs> <laughs> always good doing them on delays. Why yeah, are we? So good. Why are we chatting about Randall Keith, Mitch Warden? Because rather than being a legend killer in November, he's been a record killer, Tom. He's been smashing vinyl. <laughs> he's been upsetting everyone in his local HMV. He's racked up such a bill. <laughs> Take a that, the Beatles. <laughs> what he's been doing. Kim shouting at him. Randy, stop. <laughs> Randy, get back. <laughs> Heel boy. <laughs> so oh tell us about the records he's actually been beating and killing. The records he's actually smashed. Randy is set. Two massive records in WWE in competing at Survivor Series last month. Randy Orton became the wrestler with the most matches on WWE pay-per-view ever. He has now competed at 177 pay-per-views, overtaking Kane's long-standing record of 176. Uh, Undertaker sits on 174, 
and Triple H is in fourth place on 173. Uh, eight days following Survivor Series, Orton then broke the record for the most matches ever on WWE Raw. So Orton has now competed in 437 bouts on the red brand. Kane is again in second place with 436. Uh, Chris Jericho has 420. Nice. Triple H and John Cena complete the top five. Uh, Orton made his first Raw appearance in 2002, excuse me, and then wrestled his first pay-per-view at SummerSlam 2003. And Tom, this is the big thing for me. Orton is only 41 years old. I know. And he's all, and so there's, there is at least another 20 odd years if he so chose. <laughs> and I, was, the rest. I would have gone maybe 10. Behave. Hey, uh, Goldberg can keep going into his 60s. Why can't Randall Randall Keith? His style is so safe. He could probably wrestle till he's 90 and everybody will go, Orton's not lost a beat. No, because his beats were quite slow. (laughs) Genius. He is is a genius. And you know what? We give Randy Orton a lot of stick and wrestling fans give Randy Orton a lot of stick. But I just want to put on record now that when I was a young man and Orton was coming through and he was doing his evolution thing and then broke up with Triple H, I really liked Randy Orton and I was really happy when he won the world title the first time. And I was the only one of my friends that predicted he would do it. So I was very, very happy that he did. Has he fallen off the track a couple of times? Yes. But he's been in WWE for 20 years. He's been a top-level performer in WWE for nearly 18 years. And he's one of their most reliable hands. And all the stories that come out now is he's a real locker room leader. He looks after the young guys. He provides guidance and coaching for the likes of your Ricochets and your Mustafa Ali's and all these young guys coming up to the main roster. And I just wanted to give Orton a little bit of positive light because he deserves it. Well, you just marry him then. Um, <laughs> how else? <laughs> it's childish, isn't it? It's childish. There's no need for that. Instead of you. Yeah, fine, I'm going to give you a stupid birthday party. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, R- Randy Orton has been, um, all, you know, he's had some some weird times, but on the whole been a, a consistent performer for WWE and a future Hall of Famer, no doubt. How well do you know Randall Keith? On pay-per-view, Mitch Wadden. Uh, I'd go quite well. Let's find out. Your quiz today from coldaholic.com. You can click the quizzes tab and play along with this if you like. I want to know if you can name all of Randy Orton's pay-per-view or network event opponents in 60 seconds. We'll see how... Now, on the website, on coldaholic.com, you have 15 minutes to name 300 opponents. Uh, but because because Mitch loves him so bloody much, um, <laughs> you can you can take a you can you can knock the back of this in I've, about sixty. I've, I've got them all tattooed down my arm. Tom. Yeah, you know, I just add them every month. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to give you sixty seconds to name as many Randy Orton pay per view opponents as you can, Mitch Wadden, and your time starts now. Big John Cena. John Cena, 22 out of 300. Edge. 33 out of 300. Kane. 40 out of 300. Triple H. 61 out of 300. Uh, Shawn Michaels. 70 out of 300. Jericho. Chris Jericho, 79 out of 300. Uh, Wyatt. Wyatt. Uh, that's 84 out of 300 with 30 seconds to go. Hardy. Nice. Jeff and Matt Hardy's make 93 out of 300. 
Uh, I haven't said Taker, have I? Undertaker. Undertaker, which takes you to 97 out of 300 with 15 seconds to go. Artista. Big Dave. 105 out of 300 with eight seconds. Punk. I can see him. Punk, 112 out of 300. Three more seconds, two, one. Time up. Time up. Mate, 112 out of 300. I'll tell you that. I, I, you've got to go for the ones that you think they faced a few times. That's the yeah. trick. Yeah. You need to, yeah. Crack the back of it that way. Uh, have a go yourself. See how well you get on and let us know at cultaholic.com on the quizzes tab. Mitch, it's been a dream once again to get together with you and talk about the wrestling from the month gone by. We're doing it a little bit different next month, aren't we? Yeah, so uh, the plan is to, uh, rather than summing up uh, the month of December, Tom and I are going to pick our 10 biggest stories from the year of 2021 and, and give you, with the benefit of hindsight, all of the fallout and reaction from those. So if you have any suggestions, please let us know on Twitter. I'm available over at Mitch Wadden. And Mr. Campbell, where are you, sir? I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. And together we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Love you, bye. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 